You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 12, Ant and Anniversaries, featuring Eric Larson. Chicago. Criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast. Back again for another episode, and a very special episode it is indeed. Uh, we have finally made it, after all this these long months, uh, to our 12th, well, 12th episode, quote-unquote, uh, our one-year celebration. And I... A cake? Yeah, I have uh, forgot the cake. <laughs> I'm uh, eating a Twinkie here, so it's all good. Twinkies are valid. <laughs> Got a sponge cake for the celebration. I am, of course, uh, Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. I'm Raven Perez. And yep, uh, they said we couldn't do it. They said Savage Dragon, one title, could not support an entire podcast. And they <laughs> may have been right, but we're still here. <laughs> I know uh, our, our five readers, appreci- our five listeners appreciate it. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> hey, we at least got a dozen people listening. Believe me, I got the metrics to prove it. Dozens of people across the world. Awesome. Hey, you know what? I, you know, I'd be happy just just to talk Savage Dragon with you guys anyway. And I don't care if one people listen or a million people listen. It's pretty fun to do this month after month and get a chance to talk to people that have worked on Dragon and get a chance to talk to fellow fans from across the country and overseas in some cases. But um, so- I've had a blast this past year. It is awesome. It is it is a, a, a cool thing. I think, uh, you know, even just the FinCast, it's bringing out uh, little things you'd never know, like uh, with the interview with uh, Josh, you know. That, that was cool, man. It's important yeah. work. I, uh, if I remember correctly, I sort of came up – I well, I, I – but yeah, basically I came up with the idea of doing the uh, podcast uh, back last year this time when issue uh, 175 came out. I figured uh, for a long time I've been, I've been thinking about starting a podcast about something and figured Savage Dragon was as good as anything else. And I knew they had a pretty good uh, group of individuals who uh, were knowledgeable and had a lot to say. And I figured, hey, I might as well ask around and see if anyone's interested. And I got you guys. Somewhere in a parallel dimension, Jim has like a macrame podcast. Yeah, it could have been anything. <laughs> Well, last year was was a crazy. I know, like a bunch of guys that are, were on Eric Larson's forum all got together and were like, you know, how can we spread the word of Savage Dragon because right, it is yeah. such a great title. And I know out of that kind of discussion, we got the the FinCast, so you got the podcast, and then Raven and I talked together and we made DragonFan.net, which is you know just kind of like a blog posting all Dragon news and. I also did some work with Gavin, and, and Gavin kind of, all his notes kind of really spearheaded the Savage Dragon wiki. So 
there was a lot that came out of that and I've had a lot of fun kind of dabbling in all of those different types of things but I think for me the fincast has been one of the you know more fun things to do because like I said the chance to get to talk to creators and talk to other fans and the more you talk to people you, you find out things you didn't realize or you just discover things that you probably wouldn't have read just reading the book yourself but this is uh it was a great idea Jim glad you uh initiated it absolutely so instead of you know in our usual episodes we kind of talk about what we're reading and uh, talk about Eric Larson news since this is our kind of special one year um, episode I know we have a special interview with Eric Larson coming up later um, but um, I know we had also talked and we figured we just kind of use this time just to talk about what we've liked and uh, you know what we've liked about the fincast in the past year and we've also we've already kind of started that but um, why don't we just talk about like what was our, you know, what was your guys' favorite episode of the past year? Well, well, Raven, you you've you've uh, only come up to bat uh, in the last couple episodes, so, so you've been listening to the FinCast since the beginning, though, right? As as a uh, just listener, uh, you know, coloring takes hours, and it is fantastic, like to uh, have the you know FinCast going in the background. So, um, yeah, I've listened to every single one of them, and Man, it the thing that was just amazing to me is that really it wasn't a thing I thought could work even. I was totally 110% behind you guys, like I wanted it to work, but I was just surprised that it would be consistently good or that you'd have new things to talk about. And uh, yeah, man, I, I really do like, uh, I mean, it's just blown me away. One of my favorite episodes... Uh, it was almost one of the interview episodes, I would say, but it's even cooler, and because I, was, I think it just hasn't happened really in the life of the podcast, but when it was like, you guys, Jim, Craig, Gavin was there, you had Adam, it was just like a round table, kind of, of like Dragon fans, and that was a, that was a kick-butt episode, I can't even remember like what the issue was being discussed, but it was just awesome to hear you guys all just jump in with just different like knowledge and little insights and stuff. Oh no, it was, I liked that one a lot. The full yeah. bringing on as many people as possible episode. Yeah, I agree. I like those two. I, I like when, when uh, Adam is on too, because he brings a lot as um, a comic creator and that's something that I think you bring on too, Raven. Is it's good to have the perspective of somebody that works on comics because I, I Jim and I enjoy reading them, but we all we always don't have that perspective of what it's like to to make them. Um, that's true. Unless, yes. Yeah. And and you guys bring up a lot of good points that and this you know you haven't been on quite as long, Raven, but Adam would bring up a lot of good points or behind the scenes things that you know I definitely wouldn't have thought of, and and it, it made the conversations fun. Oh yeah, and I course, love it. I love it. Just like that's the thing is like that was what was so awesome about like that like dynamic is like you guys like Craig, Jim, you guys were holding down like the fan like reader opinion, but then you had like Adam who's worked on the book in different ways, Gavin, super fan extraordinaire. I don't know, like I said, just even just being like in your guys brought like your own you were like the A team of reading this book. <laughs> I love it. Oh no, it's good. Yeah, I, I wish Gavin could get on more, but he, as we all know, he lives in England, and um, 
if you guys are first time listeners listening to this podcast, Gavin uh, Higginbotham is like kind of Eric's right hand man on keeping track of what's going on with his characters. He's like the super of all super fans, and we've had him on a couple of times, but we usually record this at 10 p.m. Eastern time, and that's like I think like four in the morning over in the UK, over in England. So it makes it difficult for him to to stay involved in that. To say the but, least. Uh, it is fun when he when you know when we can get some input from him. Yeah. So um, what's uh, your guys' favorite episodes? I mean, you guys have been you know obviously a consistent part of the show. Like the other guests, they float in and out. You guys are like the rocks. So like, what are you guys' favorite episodes? Well, I don't have a favorite. I love them all. They're like my children, except episode zero. <laughs> the recording quality on that one was so bad. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I haven't gone back and listened to Zero, and I really don't want to. But the cool thing is that Nick Justice was actually the third host on that, and he hasn't been on again since, unfortunately. But he he was a good host, and I had fun talking to him on uh, that episode. And he's another comic book creator that, you know, had some good insights. So maybe someday we can get him back to to guest host or or just join us uh, and do some more roundtable type stuff. I love that. That would be so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I the the FinCast works best with like three or more, you know, hosts. I know Jim and I. I don't know if we done one or two episodes. It was just the both of us, and they're good. But just having three or more hosts really makes makes it a fun roundtable. Yeah, I agree. It, it, I mean, with just the two of us, I was getting kind of worried that uh, we couldn't sustain it over over the long term because we we kind of were kind of in agreement about a lot of things, which. I think uh, with only two people can be tough. Mm-hmm. I think you need that yeah. third person to really, you know, keep it the perspective changing enough. You need that colorful yeah. jerk. <laughs> no, no, wait. You know what? Oh my god, I totally scratch my opinion. I'm so sorry, but do you know what you what you just said just made me remember? So there was that stretch where it was you and Craig, and I was like, man, they're missing their roundtable thing, right? It yeah. was the one where you guys were not happy with the ish, with the episode, and I was like, "Wow, they're not pulling their punches. They're just tearing into the book." Oh, right. When we were tearing into that last uh, issue of one of the uh, invasion arcs, uh, yeah. episode seven with uh, no, that was the one with Corey, wasn't it? Uh, I want to say it was. Uh, oh man, no, but it it was like you guys were like, "Well, what was the point of that?" I don't know if we're that harsh. No, it was no. the Corey Hampshire interview episode. Yeah, we uh, was it? Yeah, we eviscerated that issue of Savage Dragon. I I totally copped to that, and I I stand by a lot of what I said. Yeah, well, you know, we got to be true to it. You know, it it's if you just sit there and just say you like everyone, what's the point? You know, like that, that you was know, good I'm, listening. Though. We learned anything from Eric Larson. It's always you know, tell it how it is. Don't don't hold back just because you want to be nice. Like if I want to say if if anybody if this is your first episode or maybe if you just haven't caught up on all of them, that's a good one to listen to, because <laughs> it's kind of like this show. This is not just appreciation hour. This is a fairly, I think, honest analysis. I mean, it's it's cool. I like that. That was what I was like. Man, this is good. Cool, cool. I think my uh, my favorite episode was uh, the Josh. Uh, uh, acorn episode just because it's it's josh acorn you know the guy you see inside the front cover month after month getting lambasted by eric larson and 
uh, he's kind of a big enigma. And it was, I think it was pretty awesome to be able to contact him and be like, hey, this guy's a real person. And he actually had a really awesome personality. You know, Eric beats up on him all the time. And he seems to be the kind of guy that can really take a joke. And it, he had a lot of fun stories. And I really had a Tons blast kind of talking to him. Yeah, that yeah, that episode yeah. really surprised me. I honestly didn't think it was going to go over that well, and it was an experience. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we were talking about maybe we just you know do a thirty minute episode. We'll see. We didn't know how you know what kind of personality he had, if you know he was going to be a good interview or what, because he's not really a creator. He was Eric Larson's kind of like uh, go to guy, you know, intern or whatever you want to call it. Um. But, you know, and he hasn't done anything in comics since. since you can what? say flunky. Flunky. Josh, Josh doesn't care. He's, he's cool. <laughs> but he had good stories, and he didn't pull any punches either. And I think that's more probably because he's not really in the business. But the way he was talking about some of the artists that worked on, like, Vanguard or the miniseries that didn't hold up their end, you know, it was it was kind of fun to hear him uh, talk about that. So I really, really enjoyed that. And, of course, the Eric Larson interview is always freaking awesome. How cool is it that he's so accessible? I think he's been on our podcast three times, uh, three times counting this episode, right? Yes, this will be his third appearance. Yeah, and he's always, you know, he can talk forever until the dinner bell rings, but uh, <laughs> that's always fun. Each time better than the last. He's like, oh, sorry, guys, I got another home invader. Just like. Puts the mic down, punches out <laughs> yeah, a hobo. I think, I think we're actually kind of blessed. I think there's some other podcasts out there that would bite off their left arm just to get the whatever book's creator on as often as we've had. So I think we've yeah. uh, we've really been lucky. Yeah, definitely. Um, so in terms of like in the past year, so so the FinCast started in November 2011, and just to go through some of the things that. We've seen in in the Eric Larson kind of universe happen with uh, in comics. We've we've gotten eight issues of Savage Dragon, 175 through 182. Wah, wah. We got an issue. Yeah, we got an issue of which is you know that's still okay. I, when I was thinking about it, I thought it was far less. So, um, we got an issue of uh, the next issue project uh, anthology, which is kind of Eric's baby with Crack Comics. That's right. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, we got the um, resurrection of Rob Liefeld's Extreme Line, which uh, Eric oh, took man. over writing and layout duties on Supreme. We got three issues so far of that. Uh, we had the announcement of the hardcover collection, which is kind of in limbo. We don't know. That's that's the Savage Dragon Ultimate hardcover collection. And then recently we just got the announcement of uh, Eric uh, purchasing the Ant character. So in the past year, I mean, we've had a lot to talk about, you know, and... and in addition to that, we got the, the Vanguard backup in Savage Dragon, which is by, you know, Frank Fosco and Gary Carlson doing, you know, Frank drawing, like, the best stuff I've seen him draw, you know, ever. It's just an awesome story. So there's been a lot to celebrate and talk about. What was your uh, some of your favorite stuff out of those issues? Was Jim did Twisted Savage Dragon Funnies hit any in this year? Uh, no. I think 175 was the first issue of Vanguard, so okay. it had just ended. Yeah, it just ended. Yep. Okay, but, okay. but I think – didn't the – no, no, the Herculean hardcover, uh, softcover came out earlier than that. But I think the hardcover of Twisted Funnies may have come out in our 
period of time, but I don't think we talked about it. Yeah, the collection it. made him, yeah. Yeah, I never I never did pick that up. I regret that. <laughs> yeah, There's still time. Um, I think of all that, I think the part where the guy got punched in the head was the best part. <laughs> what? You got, was it, I mean, like, just to me, I know it was so weird. It wasn't even a Savage Dragon thing, but like, man, Supreme. Oh, yeah. You know? There's just something about that book that I had no expectations for, and it really has been a very good book. And it's really yeah. too bad that it's slowed down. Just for Eric to take over, like, a Moore script and draw it, you know, that first issue is pretty awesome. Like, yeah. all the time he spent on that. And then just to see Corey Hampshire's kind of finals over Eric's layouts, which you can totally tell is Eric's layouts. But... You know, it's a, it's been a really cool book, and it's cool to see kind of Eric put everything into something else other than Dragon. No, it was a very curious, interesting-looking book in the sense that you could tell that Eric was following someone else's script to lay it out, but you could tell it was his layouts with yeah. Corey's uh, finished finish finish works over top of it. It was definitely a, yeah. very, a mix of, of uh, I guess... Creators, yeah. I am disappointed that, you know, he did decide to cut his run. Well, I don't know if he decided to cut it run. It seems like he decided to cut his run short. I, th- I think we're only going to get, like, five issues with the last issue being, like, a double-sized or quadruple-sized or whatever. Right. Yeah, I but, definitely um, am pouring one out for Supreme just because, like, I for me, I'm a, I'm a Supreme nerd. But, like, I, I don't know. That's inaccurate. But I like the Alan Moore stuff. And I actually did read Supreme when it was out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, like, so for me, this was, like, just kind of like, holy crap. Like, you got Eric Larson doing this, like, Supreme character, which is fantastic. And then, like, he followed up on the Alan Moore thing and totally killed it. Like, it wasn't even like, ah, that was okay. But you could tell he wasn't doing his thing. He killed it. And yeah, uh, yeah. then to hear it get cut short, I just, I don't know. It's a heartbreaker. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wish it was more, but, you know, we've heard Eric talk again and again on the interviews that, you know, he's got a bunch of other stuff that he wants to come out. And, you know, we've heard about a bunch of stuff on his interviews. We've heard about that Treasury Edition type book with him and Bruce Tim that he wants to get out. There's that weird book that all we've ever seen is like that two-page splash that everyone dubs the scooby-doo book how long ago was that posted that's yeah getting up there um going on the 10th anniversary of that yeah <laughs> the 10th anniversary of an unnamed double page spread <laughs> well he's always got something up his sleeve remember for like the for a period of time he was about to take over like all like the pacific comics like kirby stuff at one point and he kind of decided okay. against it but he was pretty gung-ho and they actually made like uh like marketing materials for it at one point i thought they lo- he, lo- he lost access to the rights or something i can't remember what happened to that because it all wound up at dynamite or something yeah, but from what I Silver Star and all those other characters. Yeah, he decided against it, and then a couple years later, it kind of showed up there. But I don't know. I don't know how it, it turned out. But he seems to always have like something going on. And now we're just hearing about him purchasing Ant. Um, so it sounds like he'll have another ongoing with that. Yeah. Which so. I don't know about you guys, but don't you think that's like I don't know? That's I kind of got that like supreme feeling again. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I got the same feeling. Here's a character I have no interest in, but I love the creator, so I'm going to give it a shot, and we'll see what kind of magic comes from that. That's it. I'm really hoping that he does pencils and lets someone else ink. I think that will keep it going, like, quickly, but I also just want to see, like, someone else ink Eric because we do we get to see everything on, on Dragon. It'd be nice to see... You know, someone inking Eric on another book. Like I love like those old Spider Man with uh, Terry Austin. Is that is that how you say Austin? Austin inks on on Eric's pencils. But um, I'd love to you know just see a monthly with you know Eric and a different inker. And I think he kind of touched on touches on that at yeah. some point. I don't think I have a preference. I'll take it either way. As long as Savage Dragon comes out on time, I guess. <laughs> or whatever he's happy doing. I mean, it's really up to Eric and what he's interested in doing and putting his energy into. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. It is a good time to be, like, a fan just because I really – I had a weird, like, uh, personal, like, weird, quote, like, correlation. Like, I fought my local comic guy and stopped buying comics for the year where there was, like, no Savage Dragon. <laughs> so I missed the drought. So, like, I've never had that period of, like, bad, like, man, there's just nothing to talk about this year. There's just nothing. There's yeah, always been right. something. So this is a killer year, though. I mean, like, 2012, you, you want a year in review? This was a pretty awesome year for him. Yeah. I mean, there's just yeah, so much going on, so much news. It's just, yeah, it's just so much. And then, you know, next month with with the next issue, we'll, we'll get to finally find out who the new Overlord is and stuff like that. So he's always kind of got something going that's newsworthy and and pretty exciting, I think. And it and it's amazes me that, you know, he's a one-man show kind of. And, you know, just his work ethic. I know he only got eight issues out, but like we said, we look at everything else that was going on in the background. And, you know, he does a lot of work and you look at guys that are like doing their own creator own stuff and and can't get out like two issues a year you know exactly. and this guy work stain yeah i mean in <laughs> a lot of those you know, a lot of a lot of books a lot of image books a lot of whatever you know even guys working for marvel it seems like you know they can't keep a, a huge run you know yeah it's Which kind of ridiculous right now with the amount of books that get dropped or change creative teams or just stop coming out it's disheartening yeah because that's yeah. like the I mean, number one that's the number one problem with getting anybody on board comics new readers is that there's no stability there's no i don't know no no yeah there's no consistency you're right yeah. you know there was that what was that mark millar with the uh dude nemesis i guess yeah or was it maybe one of the kick-ass one, series but one of the some... other six dozen books he writes but there, I noticed that there was the that was a 2012 thing. There was this ridiculous, huge gap between the third and fourth issue. The fourth being the finale. I completely lost interest. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm still waiting for War Heroes to finish up. Oh God, War <laughs> Heroes. He, he's got he's put all his energy into Clint 2.0 because the first time it didn't take. What was the. Uh... What was that Joe Casey book, Raven? You hit on it, I think last. Oh, Butcher Baker, the Righteous Maker. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. like that. Yeah, how many? Took how long did nine it take? Months to come out, but it was totally worth the wait. That one did actually stick the landing. I was okay with that, but I hated yeah, but it still t- it takes forever between you know. 
I think they had creator issues. I, I had creator issues because the first seven issues, because it's only supposed to be eight issues long, the first seven issues came out up right pretty much on time. Yeah. The eighth issue just took forever because I think they just had a breakdown of creative differences and just took forever to get the artist to get the work done. Yeah, yeah. Which is unfortunate, but it's going to be really bitchin' hardcover. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's the cool thing about, you know, Savage Dragon 2 is that, you know, it all comes out of, you know, Eric's studio. He does everything. So he's not really waiting on anybody else. Or if it is, like, if he ever had to wait on, you know, a colorist or, or you know, a letterer, it's easy enough to, you know, replace, you know, a colorist or a letterer on short notice or something like that. Whereas, yeah. You know, instead of you know having to deal with a writer or an artist, that you start getting creative differences or whatever like that. So, yeah, it is a blessing just to have it all come from one like source. It keeps it uniform. It keeps it consistent. And uh, you know, I don't know. There's just not that chance for like petty squabbles, you right. know, to ruin things. Tell you what, I don't know yeah, how it's one guy's vision. I don't know how Robert Kirkman does it because I think that's why he's been so successful is because he just gets his books out on time and that's it. That's it. That's all you got to do. Well, he just and what he'll do is if something slows up, he'll switch the artist and we've seen that done. We've seen, you know, Ryan Otley take over for Corey Walker and we've seen Charlie, you know, Adler or how how do you say his last name? I think you got it. Adler. I think you got it. Adler take over for uh, Tony Moore. And, and those are right around the time where those guys were slowing up. I mean, Tony Moore, I don't think can write, can draw like a, a book consistently over a year. Like I've mm-hmm. I've followed all of his books because I totally love his art, but I've never seen him do more than like three or four consecutive issues. Did he finish up Exterminators? How did that series end up? Hmm, you know, I don't I lo- know. I lost interest after that, but I don't think he finished it. No, right. I think someone else took it on. Because I know he didn't finish Fear Agent. No, oh, did that not end? Well, it ended, but they would do arcs. So he would do like three or four issues, and then Jerome Opina would do like three or four issues. Um, well, I don't mind that sort of thing as long as it's planned. I mean, Fables does that with Mark Buckingham. No, so. but I mean that's all because he. I don't think Tony Moore can consistently put yeah. out a book, so that's why they do it that way. So. Like like Mark's uh, Silvestri, he uh, do about two issues, and then he's a break. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mean to be a jerk, but creatively, if I was able to create something I wanted for my living, it would be just I mean, I couldn't think of a good reason other than life stuff like, oh, I got to move or oh, my mom, you know, is sick. Yeah. I can't think of a reason to slow down like you got to wonder sometimes. I mean, this is your career. I mean, yeah, this is your nine to five. What what, what else? Just, what it, are you doing? What else are you doing? I mean, yes, I mean, you might have a life going on, but. But you don't got to do that. You can just make the pages. The thing is, is like, here's what's so here's the thing is like. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not Johnny Pro and I'm bad to miss a deadline because life stuff comes up. But the thing is, is that I love what I do. So it is fun to be drawing. It, it is actually as fun or I've, I've kind of stopped playing video games because I have more fun drawing. Right. So I need to get it, that way. It, I'm just saying, though, but like when you love something, it is fun. And all I can think is that for the guys that are like missing their deadlines or like just like can't get two issues out or whatever, that maybe they had some other goal. Like they were an illustrator 
And just comics was easy work for them because they're good. But like yeah. if you're a comic artist, like you got to make pages. And so that's what separates, you know, illustrators from comic artists. So that makes some know. sense. Yeah. I think also, too, on some of these things, like in terms of image comics, these uh, some of these guys are taking on like work from the big two that, you know, pays up front and pays better money and right. ends up, you know, the image stuff takes a back seat until they can go back after they finish, you know. Their, well, that their that makes sense. Stuff. I mean, that that that's understandable to a certain extent because the you know the the realities of the economy and comic industry and all that. But it's the people who are on those dream projects that they get paid for at the big two, and they yeah, still don't yeah. deliver. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you can't get your Marvel book out the door, then what's your excuse? You've had four or five months of heavy promotion, and you blow it out the door. <laughs> you know that there's just so many stories of that and all right yeah it's just disheartening sometimes and now we've gotten we should... delightfully off topic <laughs> yeah we we <laughs> should move on we uh we have uh rant we have eric waiting for... over. <laughs> <laughs> we have eric waiting and we want to give enough time to you know get the interview done with him and uh we don't want you know, this uh, episode to last three hours. So I'd rather <laughs> talk with uh, Eric and get a lot out of uh, out of him on what's going on with his stuff. Um, so uh, what do you say we wrap this section up? You All guys right. have any last thoughts or? Here's the 12 been, more episodes. Yeah, cool. it's been fantastic to listen and I'm even more excited to join you guys. And I know it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to getting some, some more people to interview and yeah. yeah, we got a list. I think you've got a master list somewhere. We got some names. Yeah, guys like Mark Engler did Mighty Man and God War. Uh, I want to talk I'm about gonna... Mighty Man. I pulled that out recently. I think we should try to get Mark Engler on sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think we can try to do that. See if he'll he'll join us. Uh, uh, Michelle Fife, I'm sure I butchered his name, but like we said, Twisted Savage Dragon Funnies. I know he said he'd be down to, to talk to us uh, early in 2013. Um, we had other names that we, uh, kind of talked about like Corey Walker for his work on super Patriot, uh, Gary Carlson, who's, you know, the creator of the Megaton anthology where some of the first, uh, issues of Savage Dragon, non-canon Savage Dragon appeared. And I think we want him on when, uh, Vanguard wraps up. So yeah, he's the writer of Vanguard and hopefully hear from him in a couple months. Yep. And Big Bang, which also used guys like, you know, characters like Mighty Man, Big Bang Comics. And then, uh, you know, guys like Chris Eliopoulos, who was the letterer for Savage Dragon for the longest time. Um, and then we also talked about maybe some long shot type guys, uh, like maybe Dave Johnson, who did Super Patriot, or Vic Bridges, who did Freak, uh, Drew Freak Force, and don't really know what he's up to now these days. Um, and we always joke, joke about Robert Kirkman and... I think he's probably. I think he's a little beyond big. us at this point, Mister Hollywood. <laughs> we missed that window. You Gotta know? talk yeah. to his agent. <laughs> I actually, at, like way back when at a con, I, I got him to sketch me a Sleepwalker sketch because he was, you know, working on a Sleepwalker uh, story for Marvel. Um, that's back when you could just approach him. His line was like five people long. It's pretty amazing to see like how some far Superman knockoff and some zombie crap. Who's he? Who's he? What he's gonna mount to? Yeah, my right. friend. My friend got confused and thought that he was the uh, artist of Walking Dead. 
yeah. And so he went to a con for me. I couldn't make it. And he told him, he's like, my friend says you're an awesome artist. You got to draw him a zombie. So I have a Robert Kirkman zombie sketch. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, totally. I was like, oh, man, this is weird and cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So, all right, well, let's let's wrap this up and uh, let's go talk get to the Eric man in charge, line. Eric Larson. Cool. So we're here uh, with our uh, personal superhero, Eric Larson. Ah ha ha! See, it's funny because he makes superhero comics. Don't you, don't you believe? Me? Yeah, yeah, I get it. There you go. Oh, Thanks for joining gosh. us, Eric. Well, I'm gonna be. Oh, sure. I'm gonna be inking while, I'm, while we're talking, if that's all right. You don't mind, do you? You're not gonna hear scratching because I'm I'm using markers at the moment. You're not gonna be yelling at your kid to do his homework. Uh, you know, it's it's really awesome. My my son's in a new school, and they do all their homework at school, so he gets <laughs> home and it's just. It's just screwing off time for him. Yeah, I remember you said what, they have to like spend two extra hours a day in school or something. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, he's, he comes home like it's dark. It's it's ridiculous, but you know what? Whatever. Yeah, I think I would have chose that option too, though, back then, rather than have to bring anything home with me. Yeah, it sounds like you get a lot, would get a lot more out of that in the long yeah. run. Yeah, I'm all for it. Cool. Never did homework at home anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And yet here you are, a functioning adult, or nearly. <laughs> misleadingly named. Uh, so, so what's, uh, what's, what's going on? What's happening? Yeah, let's do this. We want to talk to you about uh, Ant. Yeah, what? a couple. That's what the world wants, weeks. not Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> what the world wants to know is what the hell, man? It's a <laughs> So at this point, you know, pretty much all your fans know you own the character. Can you yeah. can you talk a little bit about your decision to purchase Ant and what went behind that? Um, it was it was kind of a weird situation. Well, I mean, to to kind of set it up, uh, when I was the publisher at Image Comics, there were many different people who approached me about taking taking their books to Image Comics or wanting to be part of the whole. Image Comics experience, and one of them was Mario Gully, who had had Ant over at Arcana and wanted to bring it over to Image Comics because he's a big Image Comics guy, big big fan of what we did, and wanted to be part of that whole thing. He sent me copies of everything that he had done over at Arcana with uh, the character, and I read it over. And my conclusion was, while I found the character visually compelling, I thought conceptually it, it didn't really work because Ant, in, in the context of that comic, was a 10-year-old girl who was always like getting beat up and, and, and just had a, kind of a miserable life, single parent who is, who is busy, not always there. And... Um, so she kind of her 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 way of functioning in in the world was to dream up these adventures that she would illustrate in her diary about herself as a superhero called Ant, which, while you found the the girl very sympathetic and her plight very sympathetic, uh, 
The problem was whenever she got into the ant adventures, there was no, there's, there's no connection there because ant yeah. was never really in trouble because ant wasn't real. And Ant couldn't really meet anybody because Ant was drawings in a kid's diary. Ant couldn't function with all the other characters and interact with all the other characters because she didn't exist. So talking to Mario about it, um, part of the conversation was in order for this character to work in the Image Comics universe, she has to become uh, an actual character. She has to re be real. She has to be able to uh, interact with the other characters, which um, was was a conversation, and uh, and it was something that he uh, came around to and seemed to be okay with. But he had to kind of wrap his brain around, and um, he. There was there was just parts of it where he he wasn't quite ready to make the jump. He hadn't quite thought through everything that could go on and should go on with the character in order to to bring it to image. He kind of approached it in a way where he was like, well, rather than tackle the tough part of this, which is the whole setting up of who she is and where she came to be. He decided he was going to make all of that a mystery. And so he essentially took out the, the introduction part and jumped ahead and had her be already an established hero suddenly with amnesia going, how come everybody knows who I am and thinks I did something awesome, but I don't know really what I did. What, what the hell is going on here? Which is... An okay, it's kind of an okay approach, but it, it did kind of mean skipping over a huge chunk of of the character meeting people. You know, she would she would come into contact with Spawn or come into contact with Savage Dragon or our other characters in her book, and they would and every conversation seemed to be, oh, I totally know you already, and we had this great adventure that you have no access to remembering and the reader has no ability to see. And um, in any case, I, because I was really part of the conversation process of, of trying to get this thing going and making a real effort to line up different characters that could be in the book to try and, and help give his book something of a boost. Mario was very aware that I thought that the character had a lot of potential and he was very aware that I liked it and was actively trying to find a way to make it work, even though uh, inevitably it fell apart and it didn't, it didn't work. He had gone through a number of different people that he was working with as a co-creator, co he wasn't really all that comfortable scripting, and so he had help from four different people throughout the 11 issues. And, um, and he wrote some of the stuff himself, so there were five writers over the course of 11 issues, and they didn't all see eye to eye, and they would kind of contradict each other and write things into and out of continuity and, and it, it was something uh, something of a jumble um right. but did you what 
did you bring in like Joe Keating and stuff, like a lot of the co-writers or whatever? Was that on your recommendations? Yeah, I brought in Joe for sure. Um, and some of the other guys were just people who kind of came to him. And I think after Joe, there was some other dude who was kind of whispering sweet nothings into his ear and promising him the moon and saying, yeah. oh, you don't need that Keating guy. I've got better ideas. And mm. and ultimately, he ended up kind of being suckered into going in some different directions that I don't think he was comfortable going in and that inevitably weren't that strong uh, for the book and were just, just kind of didn't work all that well. Um, so eventually he ended up... Uh, the, the book ended up getting canceled because it just wasn't doing that well. And they wanted to take it elsewhere and, and do it on their own and show that, Hey, we can make this happen, whatever. And they took it elsewhere and Mario wasn't as involved with it. He had since moved on to doing stuff over Marvel. And then ultimately it just, it just ended. It, it came to a close as a lot of things do seemingly when they leave Image Comics. Um, a, a lot of guys who especially who weren't, weren't making their deadlines on their own with us, uh, when they go off on their own, were, were, didn't, didn't continue to not make their deadlines, basically. And so yeah. that, that kind of had, had gone on there. There was, uh, I would think, some trust issues with, with retailers thinking, you know what, we've seen... A bunch of guys leave Image Comics before, and it, it's never really worked out all that well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, ultimately, it, ultimately it didn't work where they were. And Mario came to me uh, more recently and said, look, I'm in a situation where I have to sell Ant. Um, I've got somebody who's interested in buying Ant but I'd rather sell her to you. And it is kind of similar to what happened with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 15 years earlier in that I had used the Turtles a couple times in, in some dragon stories, and when they had decided that they didn't want to be publishing the Turtles anymore and they wanted a break from it, they contacted me and said, there's all these different people who are vying to do the Turtles. We want you to do it even though you're not don't even want the job. (laughs) So um, this is kind of a similar thing. I didn't know that this was in the pipeline. I didn't know that this was something that that he wanted to do, but you know, the guy called me, called me up and told me what was going on and said, here's the deal. It's the, the character is going somewhere. It can go with, with you or it can go somewhere else. And then somebody else is going to be doing it. But I know you like the character. So are you interested? And I thought about it and I just ultimately decided, yeah, I guess I am. I guess I, and I, and the more I thought about the character and I thought about what, what I could do with the character and the stories I could tell and kind of wanted to be able to see if sort of my initial thoughts on it, if, if that was something that was, was in fact viable, if, if I could do it the way that I wanted to do it back then, would it be successful? 
Um, the difference being that I'll be much more involved than I would have been at that point or could have been at that point. Right. There's that. Well, you could tell that you always kind of liked the character because even thinking back then, I felt like you were giving this guy like seemed like even more chances than you normally would. Like you would be the first one to be like, Oh, your stuff's not good enough or whatever. But weren't you doing like some layouts for him? You were like lending him characters to use. It was kind of nuts. I mean, I, I, he, there was, you know, from going over, uh, logos and trying to come up with a logo for it to doing cover sketches for a couple of the issues, um, lining up guest stars to be in the book. Um, trying to find uh, other writers who could work with him when, when ultimately he decided he couldn't uh, do that himself, uh, talking to his colorists, talking to various other people along, along the way, um, trying to smooth out relationships and just make it work. It was, it was a, I put a hell of a lot into it, and I think a lot of the other creators that were at Image Comics were kind of going, hey, what the hell, man? <laughs> you know, why, why are you giving this guy so much attention and, and making such an effort here when you're not necessarily giving me that kind of love? And, and in some cases, like, well, you don't really, you don't really need the, the, that. You don't, you're, you're more, uh, you know, you can do that kind of stuff on your own. And I, I, I think this guy kind of, needed some more help needed a little more hand holding and, and needed a little more guidance and but was it did it stem because it was the character like that you really liked the character and thought it could be something really awesome because i don't think like you know any normal like there's tons of guys out there that really would need help or whatever and yeah you know it, can't help it was, everyone it was, it was the character ultimately but, and, it, and it came down to you know i just think visually speaking it is one of the more iconic characters that has been designed in the last 20 years. You know, there's a lot, and especially female characters who, who generally speaking, um, have been just very derivative. You know, it's like we got Superman there, Supergirl. We got Captain Marvel here's Mary Marvel. We've got Spider-Man here's Spider-Woman. We've got Hulk here's She-Hulk. We've got Red Hulk. We got Red She-Hulk. It's you know, we've got a female thing. <laughs> we've got a female, you know, whenever there's a, a, a cool male superhero, you know, there gets to be this female counterpart. Hey, you like Captain Marvel? Here's Ms. Marvel, you know, all the way down the line. Yeah, yeah. So here's a situation where somebody had created this iconic kind of female superhero who could stand on her own and wasn't derived from some other male character and you know and i'm just looking at that going this this is something this could be more than it is let's make an effort to try and, and turn this into into something else and, and and ultimately that's what i'll be doing is, is trying to make the most of it um is it is it strange owning a character that someone else created i mean i, I don't think i've really come across a situation quite like this it is very weird i mean and, and in some ways in some ways it's very wrong <laughs> you know um 
And but in, in other ways, it's kind of this. This is this is what creator ownership kind of is all about. Is that you? You know, one of those things you can choose to do is you can choose to sell your characters. You know, I mean, Jim Lee did the same thing that he sold his characters, and they were now owned by by DC Comics. You know, this is a different situation, just in that it's being sold to another. Um, creator rather than to a corporation. But you feel didn't like it's going to be like that adoptive child syndrome where like you adopt a child and you know the the parent the original parents come back looking for it or you know like Mario's going to bug you and be like oh you know I want I want aunt back or whatever or does that weird you out or are you um we'll, we'll you know we'll cross cross that bridge when we come to it or if we come to it we'll we'll, we'll see what happens here. Yeah. You're you're still trying to keep Mario involved, right? I mean, you want him to complete his image run, right, with the twelfth issue. Um, yes, and it's in an, and we're kind of going at it in a, in an interesting kind of way. In that I, you know, part part that was part of uh, the initial thing when I was saying I was doing a lot of stuff on on it initially. Um, part of that was eventually okay. Well. If this is going to wrap up, um, I, I had drawn uh, I had drawn a beginning to the story for him. Like, okay, here here you go. Uh, he had he had drawn an eight page sequence, and then um, he he had, so he'd started his issue and he'd said, I, I got to go do something else. I I'm hip deep in this Marvel stuff, and I don't have time to finish it, or I may have to get somebody else to help me, whatever. And uh, I thought, well, if if you're going to be leaving or if this book is going to end, let's sort of wrap things up and do a nice last issue and, and put a bow on it. And so uh, I had he'd done the first eight, eight pages or something. And so I laid out the rest of the issue for him and said, here, this will work. And he, he got it. And he was like, this is perfect. And then for whatever reason, he ended up taking the book elsewhere and never finishing those pages that I laid out for him when he came back sometime later uh, and said, okay, I want to do this. You know, I want to sell you this character. He also said, I would really like to be able to end on a nice note and have a last issue and just be able to say goodbye. And so I was like, you know what? That's, that's perfectly fine. Um, I've already done the layouts and you've got those, those eight pages. And he was like, well, the problem is I don't actually have those eight pages anymore. I, it's been several computers ago, and all that stuff's lost, and I don't even remember what was on them. And an additional problem cropped up in that uh, he, had, he had co-created a couple of those characters with the writer who was working on the book at the time. And oh. that writer ended up uh, getting control of those characters. So I'm sitting there going, so we've got a, be, a, a beginning of the story that was in issue 11. We got eight pages now that, that can't be used that are just a mystery. We don't even know what the hell happened on them. <laughs> and then we've got the end of this story. And somehow or other, I got to, I got to make all these, all this stuff work. So what I ended up doing was, uh, is I came, I laid out a new eight page sequence that <laughs> bridged what issue 11 
and led up to where I had started the layouts and the other thing. And I essentially got rid of all of his characters that had been in the book immediately. You know, panel one is basically Ant ducking from an explosion as whoever she was with gets turned into dust. (laughs) (laughs) Gavin would be proud. Um, They're in the the sewer there at the end of issue 11, if I recall. Right? Something like that. Are they in the sewer like her and that other character? The, like at the end of issue 11 or something? Yeah, at the end of issue 11, they're in the, they're in the sewer. And uh, and it's like, here, take it. And so uh, I, I start off with them being found by whoever. And, and uh, wacky hijinks ensue after that. And, you know, we just kind of pick it up, drop it up. Um, essentially you know tie a bow on the on the series and 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 end it and then um what i'm doing with it afterward is kind of stepping way back and going uh because there was that whole middle period that he had skipped which was the the the, kind of the important part of of a character's life is just kind of their their origin, who they are, and, and how they came to be. And that part was skipped over. So my thought was, if if I'm going to do the book, I want to start with her origins, start with how she got to be in her earlier part of her career and everything kind of leading up to uh, that that second volume, which which was, I mean, his, his was called volume two. And so... I'm just going to come in and I don't even know at this point, I'm kind of tempted to just call it volume one, even though it's coming after volume two, but it's, it's my first volume. Um, right. And, and chronologically it, it takes place before the stuff that he did. I'm, I'm kind of not sure at this point how I'm going to segue from once I, once I tell her origin story and once I tell some, some first few adventures, uh, how I'm going to leapfrog past the stuff that, that he's already done. But I think I can uh, just say, hey, this, this happened, not really give you a whole lot of information as to, to what happened and why it happened. And I don't know. I think I can make sense of it all, is what I'm saying. So your intention is to work with what came before and not start all over again with the whole yes yeah i actually really don't like that you know when when people just kind of scrap all continuity and just say hey it was all a dream sorry folks (laughs) i just i just think that's really really unfair to the readers who had invested any time in it at all and and it's just kind of just lazy in a way where you just like yeah, there's all this stuff here, but I don't want to read it. I, you know, and, and it's like if you want it, you can get to your stories in, in various ways, and and you know why not why not play fair about it, and play fair with the reader, and 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 just get there. So anyway, that's my baseline. So, so because 
own some of these characters. Well, actually, what, can you tell us what you do own? Do you own just the ant character, or do you own all of the image issues so you can put out a trade? Or I, 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 th- I believe that I have rights to put out a trade for everything that exists. Um, it would be a very weird trade. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it'd be, I mean, it'd be 12 issues full of, uh, stops and starts and, and all sorts of stuff. I don't know, uh, if I can really go in and edit the crap out of it and make it into something else. I don't know that, that I can you- really do that. I can probably... You know, I think it's probably fine for me to take out the various typos that were in there, but you could always get it on Comicsology, though. You know, put I, it on I, there. Yeah, actually, my first thought on the whole thing was just to just take those eleven issues, do a light edit in terms of you know getting rid of whatever typos or strangenesses that are in some of them, and then just say here they are in Comicsology, you know, nickel a piece or whatever, and and just do it that way. So yes. it's out there if people want to read it, and if they don't want to read it, it, I don't think it's really that necessary. Just as it's not really that necessary to read uh, the first eleven issues of Daredevil if you're reading Daredevil now, you know. I'm just thinking in terms of Mario's going to put out an issue twelve. I mean, the series hasn't been out since 2007. People are going to be like, you know, it, it's going to be very weird. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I mean, I think it, like, it might. This is a sequel to what now? Why is this? Why does this issue twelve even exist? It's just Mario getting an opportunity to say goodbye. Is really what it is. It's right. actually a bit supremish and, because the first, your first issue, of course, was written by Alan Moore, and for yeah. a series that hadn't been published in X number of years. Yeah, there's, there's that, um, and, and also in, in Supreme like uh, those those back issues really aren't that available. You so, know, they're... And, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. And Supreme started on volume two, quote unquote. So you can call you can call your aunt volume volume one, I think. Yeah, I mean there was there was a real volume one that came out through Arcana, so that that was the idea there that that we've we've already done a volume one, so this is volume two where we're, where we're starting with the character somewhat older and and wiser and what have you. Maybe you can and call it Ant Year One or something. Yeah, I could do that. Or Ant- you can call it Ant Volume Zero to really throw everybody off. I, I do. I Ant Chapter One. Cash and all those uh, John Byrne fans. <laughs> <laughs> thing i mean as far as like ant goes i really i'm not super worried about going back i just don't care i'm gonna just go for I, I don't i don't think you need, need to read in fact and in, in some ways reading over it makes it a little more confusing um that's not for me uh <laughs> So I'm I'm just not going to get I'm just going to try not to get too carried away with that and trying to catch readers up too much. It's just it's just you know I think at a certain point more information becomes uh, becomes less informative than it is more informative. Right, it winds up feeling clunky 
too too yeah. obsessed with its past than getting with its future. Yeah. Basically, what you need to know with Ant is that she's the good guy and she's fighting bad guys. All right, let's go. Take it from there. You know, if you if you find out in the course of of the issue that hey, she's had amnesia, she's been she's had a lot of false starts. She doesn't really know what the hell's going on with her life. She's been fed a lot of lies, a lot of misinformation. Um, and and by the end of the story, she gets that information. She knows what's gone on in her life. She's up to speed and she's, you know, reunited with her family and things are, lives happily ever after. Then you can kind of go, you know what? I, I didn't really need to know all this stuff that's being put to a lie. You know, why did, why do I need to know this stuff that didn't turn out to be true anyway? Who cares? I'm right. caught now. I know who the character is now, essentially, and I either like her or don't. Um, but we'll see too. In terms of Mario, I don't know that he's he's. Uh, it's kind of the balls in his court as to whether he's going to jump on it immediately or whether he's going to uh, not jump on it immediately. And I'm and I'm not pressuring him at all to get his story done because it's not. It, it's not necessary that it comes first. Uh, I think it's it's almost good for you to have your number one come first because I feel like if a number twelve comes first, it's going to steal the thunder from the sales yeah. of your number one to get people jumping on and. And you can use your relaunch as a promotional tool to explain what issue twelve is supposed to be. Yeah, there's that. So I mean, people have kind of questioned my sanity and that ain't letting that that exist too it's like there's there's a lot of questioning of sanity lately it's definitely an interesting situation (sighs) excuse me i said uh, it's definitely an interesting situation i mean Uh, yeah i'll give you that what are your plans for the book itself are you planning on taking full duties on like savage dragon like writing penciling inking uh i'll Probably be uh, writing counseling and and working with somebody who's gonna make it. And I don't know who that individual is yet necessarily. I've had a, a couple of thoughts, uh, but you know, probably try out a couple of guys, see see who can kind of finish my 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 start and, and make something of it. That's very cool. I look forward to seeing that. It's always a treat. Supreme, I, I like that. So, yeah, I mean, it. it I, I don't. Supreme kind of ended up uh, blowing up in my face to some extent, in that that I kind of relied more on one guy than I perhaps should have, because ultimately he ended up taking on a bunch of other work and not being able to devote himself completely to doing supreme and then deadlines have have, uh plagued the series and and what's what's ended up happening is he keeps saying you know you're gonna have everything in next week and it's like okay well then i'm I'm not gonna make some other plans to get somebody else to help out and then next week rolls around and it's not there and you're like well now what i'm now i'm a week behind and and he's still saying next week so am i to believe that next week is next week now, or should I be, you know, scrambling to, to get something else in there? So it's it's kind of been a, a real headache, and I'm thinking with with Ant that it will be 
you know, let people know ahead of time, hey, and if you blow this deadline, you're gone. Right, right. So <laughs> switching gears, since we're talking about Supreme, do you have any idea when we'll see number 67? Is it I have no idea. I have no idea. I've seen some pages from it. Uh, I didn't end up laying out the whole issue. Uh, it, was, it was kind of clear as the as this stuff has progressed that Corey wanted to be drawing it. And so uh, I kind of backed off on the art department. I laid off, out the first seven pages. He kind of did pencils on the first seven and took some, some real liberties with what I had done. And so I was like, you know, why, why are we doing this? If, if you're going to change it so much, you want to draw it, draw it. And then as soon as I made that commitment to letting him, to actually letting him draw it, that was the point that suddenly he, he uh, slowed to a crawl. <laughs> it's like, well, damn it. Now what? Um, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens now. And then, you know, and then the next question is, okay, what do you do for the issue after that? Do you, do you, do you trust that this guy is going to be able to do some of it? Or do you just kind of, move on or, or what the hell man right and and that's you know your your plans are to make that an 80 page giant and yeah i'm pretty sure you said that you'd have different artists doing like a bunch of backups with just like a yeah almost size. yeah there's 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 many plans um how many of those end up coming to fruition at this point i don't know because it, you know it's it's not exactly setting the world on fire and so yeah. it's not it's like a, all right. It's too bad. And no, it's you know, it, you, you you of course go in it everything wanting for it to be for it to be, everything to be wonderful, and then you know when there are, are big delays and and huge deadline problems that really cuts into stuff. And so when yeah, definitely. yeah, it's really too bad. It almost seemed like the book was coming out on time for the first four months. There, it felt it, like it a lot of real energy behind it. Yeah. And then, as and then as soon as that that fifth month rolled around, suddenly it wasn't there. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think that's the big problem for Image Comics, which kills the sales, is when someone can't keep their deadlines. You know, when the momentum dies, people lose interest. And <coughs> I think United. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that, and there's also I mean, Ant was in the same boat, really. You know, it started off. And, it, and the first few issues came out in a row, and it was going clicking along just fine. And uh, then, then you know, Mario got distracted by different people trying to talk to him about video games or toys or statues or whatever, and, and he got sucked into getting involved and trying to make these other things work. Neglected the comic. Uh, and then there would be the gaps between issues, sales would go down, and then it would be like, well, I'm not making the money on it that I need to be making. So when Marvel came knocking, he was like, well, I'm going to go do this. And then yeah. that's that. And, and that's how that and ends up all falling apart. Is, you know, I think that's something like Kirkman really does well at Image is when he sees like – like I remember, Invincible sales started going down when it started slowing up with Corey, and then you bring Ryan on, and you get you find an artist or whoever to that can turn out stuff regularly, and that's what keeps 
ends in Vol, like The Walking Dead with Charlie. You know, you can keep an artist on that can draw month after month and get things turned in. That's what's going to keep people. Oh yeah, and I, I'm sure it pissed off the other artists. You know, that it's like, hey, this is my book, and it's like, well, you didn't, you didn't perform, man. You got to do that. That's part of the part of the biz. Is you got to actually produce this stuff on a monthly business monthly basis and, and get this stuff done. That's yeah. got to It's a real testament to, you know, both of those uh, workhorses that he found, too, that both of those issues, uh, both those series are to issue 100 now, which just, like, makes my, like, brain explode. I can't even believe it. For an image book, that's, like, incredible. Yeah. yeah it's well, I mean, cool. how many other creator-owned guys, like, have two books that are going to hit 100 or have hit 100, you know? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's doesn't awesome. happen very often, for sure. So, yay. Cool. So, Eric, you, you, sorry, are you still Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Um, you posted up some mock-ups with the, 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 the ant logo that you're showing around with. Do you think that's the one that you're going to go with? Yeah. Yeah, Just I really you, dig it. You can read because you can read it from space. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, that's, and that's really what I want from a logo and that was the the one thing that i i kept pushing on all with with everybody when we were talking about doing designing logos for things it's like what how can we get this the ultimate logo is rom space night because yeah. it's three letters and you could just is the new issue of rom in well you can tell the minute you walk in the store because yeah it's, it's visible from one end of the store to the next. There's no thing there scanning the, the the rack. Where where's the new issue of you know, Ant Ant has got that logo which is like, holy crap, man. That <laughs> thing dominates the cover. The advantage of a short name. You're not gonna see you're not gonna see the logo was, for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen across the room. Yeah. Well it's like that was the 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 battle with Savage Dragon on all the time was how do I how do I make this more legible? How do I make it more distinctive? You know, and part of the reason for dropping the word the out of the logo early on was, you know, I could make the word savage bigger, I could make it more readable, and then even squishing the squishing the logo so that it wasn't as tall as it was. Um, just made it so those letters weren't so tall and skinny and frail and, and just had more oomph to them. Yeah. Who, who designed the original Savage Dragon logo? Um, I did a pencil pass at it. I did kind of a uh, version that I just drew out in pen. And then Chris Heliopolis did the original logo. And then all, all tweaking was, was by me afterward. Did, did Chris do most of the logos for, like, your team books or your solo books and stuff like that, or is that... He did, he did uh, Freak Force. He did Super Patriot. Um, somebody, somebody at the Image Office did the Deadly Duo. I'm not even sure who did that. Uh, what else was there? Star, I think, was just a fun... Just different... We don't, we don't talk about the Star book here. Star? I, Not I star, I'm dark. sorry, dark. Yeah, there, dark. No, there's other books <laughs> which remain nameless. And yeah, we need to talk about dark. I'm sorry. Yeah. Star was good, actually. Star was a great book. Star was okay. Star was fun. You know, and uh, Herrera. 
Yeah, I don't, I, where'd he end up? I don't know. Uh, you got Vanguard, too, who, who created the yeah, Vanguard. Yeah, Vanguard was also Chris. Yeah. yeah, that's a good logo. That's a solid logo. I had done a, a logo for that years ago. Then, Actually, the new issue has my stellar logo on the back cover, um, <laughs> such as it is. <laughs> all curvy and terrible. It's <laughs> all thin. <laughs> And he did like a Liberty League logo, I think, too, at some point, just fooling around. Um, if he did, I haven't seen it. Um, I he, did. he did a. There was a Mighty Man one that we had that he had done, um, and that one was that was used. I don't. Know, if if there's a Liberty League, I don't know where where it would have. I have it somewhere I can show. I think he did it like a bunch of fans were doing like way back in the you know 90s were doing some kind of like webcomic and he like made a logo for them or something. I got to find it. I'll I can email it to you if I find All it. All right. Chris is, Chris is the nicest guy in the world so it <laughs> not surprise me at all to find him doing something like that. Yeah, so you can see Chris's logo. He's just he's just flat out ripping me off. Just, just looking at the two here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so speak, cool. speaking of Vanguard, is there? Um, I know the serial is going to come to a close. Is yeah. there a chance? Are you thinking about collecting the the serial like you did Mighty Man, or have you not thought about it, or no, or? Um. I don't know. It's it's certainly uh, it's certainly possible. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. Sh- how many parts does it end up being? Twelve. Twelve, I think. So. I think it's some of Frank's best work, honestly. I think. Yeah, yeah I think so too. And he and he just keeps getting better at it, which is which is really cool. Well, well the his covers are amazing, and you know it hit me that I've never really seen him do any kind of cover work until. Yeah until the serial and he really has like he can tell a good story with his covers uh-huh. yeah and he just he just keeps he's he's finding it you know i think initially his his inking was a little a little scratchy and then as time's gone on it's just gotten more and more confident and so i think it's i think it's working now uh whether or not whether or not people would be uh, jumping up and down and supporting it as a One as job. a book uh, as a trade, I don't know, and that that's yeah. that becomes the big question: is are people going to buy the book? Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, if they're if they don't, then then that was a wasted effort on on everybody's part. And if they do, awesome. Um, have you have you ever thought about doing the Kickstarter thing? It seems like everyone's doing it these days. I mean, is that something that you're just not into? I, think, or? I guess maybe that's a possibility. I uh, I've never uh, I don't even really know about it. I know that it exists, but I've I'm not i not gone and, and watched any of the of, of the videos or or participated in any way. And I know that that's something I should probably be doing, but uh, it's just something I haven't gotten around to yet. 
I think so. you'd find success. You get like it's weird because when it started, it was all like Joe Blow, but now you've got like really, really established people taking advantage of it. And yeah, I think it'd do good. You'd be shocked think, like, at the amount of money people will throw at name talent like Eric Larson. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. Sullivan Sluggers with uh, Stoko, I think that was a, supposed to initially go through Image, uh-huh. and they did it on Kickstarter, and they, they ended up doing really, really well for themselves. Yeah, like, their killed. initial goal was, like, 20000 I think they sold, like they got over 100000 and then they were able to do upgrades as they got more money, you know? Yeah, they did amazing with their Kickstarter. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's this webcomic I won't get into, but... They had a set a seven hundred thousand dollar goal for making a video game, and when it was over, they made two point five million dollars. Wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, now, pe- the- people like prepaying for things, knowing what they're going to get. Uh huh. It's 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 odd. You'd think it wouldn't be the case, but the amount of money these things can raise is staggering. Sometimes. Huh. But yeah, you got to be a known quantity because there's a lot of Joe Blows, no names who have a lot of projects that don't get funded because they don't have the clout. And that's yeah. really what brings the money in is the clout. Uh, well, the, the, the thing is too, that, you know, doing conventions, you find that there's an awful lot of things that you can put out at a, at a convention that people want. And, uh, but, but if you try to solicit those things and have them come through a store, that they wouldn't necessarily get the support that would be necessary in order for them to succeed. That's the thing is, is like whenever I go and bring like, you know, crack comics or fantastic comics or Herculean or any of those things out with me on the road when I'm in, in other places, um, they never saw those books. Their stores never ordered those books. Right. They've never right. seen the, the you know the, they've never seen the Mister Glumdoll, even though every store can order the Mister Glumdoll now. There are plenty of copies of that thing sitting in a warehouse waiting for somebody to buy them. When I bring them to a convention, I'll sell them. I'll sell tons of them because people their their stores just never got them. And that's um, the thing about Kickstarter is that. You can target your actual audience as opposed to counting on other stores to assume what their audience is. You can, yeah. yeah. And that, well, that's the benefit of it. It's yeah. really, I really want, I would love to see more creators, hint, hint, wink, wink, you step into like this kind of a thing because I see like in the video game industry, people are really doing things that no one thinks can succeed. Like, uh, this is the weirdest example. But, like, we live in the age where, like, it's Call of Duty and Battlefield 3 and all these war games are just dominating the hell out of everything, making more money than movies. And nobody thinks that anything weird like a text-based adventure game would make any money. But then they do a Kickstarter and these guys raise, like, $3 million in, like, two weeks for this text-based adventure. And it's sort of like, there you go. Publishers could never take a risk on that, but there's a huge demand for it. I don't know. I don't know if you guys Eric, know anything about you... tabletop games, but Steve Jackson Games has this game called Ogre that for years they've been wanting to do an update for but didn't have any money. They did a Kickstarter, raised like $3 million and sold it to everyone who wanted one. There's a demand there. It's just there isn't a demand in a retail sense. 
Eric, what do you think about Mark Silvestri's Kickstarter, where he's given away his like first five issues for free? Um, I think that's awesome. I think that I mean that that makes a lot of that's it's just kind of a cool way of going about it. I'm not sure how uh, how, how how the retailers. I'm not sure where they how they feel about it because they have to they have, yeah. to, they have to buy it. They got to right? pay a quarter. They I don't I yeah. Think it's kind of like the general consensus was. Uh, Retailers aren't really super happy about it because there hasn't been enough promotion behind it, uh, but they, right. they still got to pay twenty five cents to give it away for free. So it's not the perfect so, model for them. So yeah. it's kind of like free comic book day in a way. Yeah, but but five issues of it, right? Isn't that the idea? Right. The first five issues are currently paid for. After that, either they may do another fundraiser or they'll start charging like normal. It's well, hopefully, you know, they get people hooked and bring them in to add it to their pull list or whatever, but well, they got me for five it was, issues. It was definitely a different way of thinking, you know? Yeah. Uh, Sim did his whole service digital thing. Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. It seemed to, seem to do well. It's starting to, he's starting to actually like put those things together. Cause you know how much he loves like dealing with diamonds. So it was sort of a match made in heaven, I guess. Yeah. Have you um have you thought about doing uh volume two of Savage Dragon Companion with issue two hundred coming up? Uh I think a lot of people who worked on it have thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I'd like to, I sure I'm all for it if, if somebody else wants to do all the work. <laughs> That's another thing too, like you could you could do a digital one and have it on Comixology if you know. Yeah, well, I, we should. There should be a digital version of of the the first one for that matter. Yeah, why isn't there one? I didn't even think about that. But that would be a great like ninety nine cent, almost try to get somebody into the book type deal. But I almost want to give that one away for free. But <laughs> I'm not but a business man. Cool. And then you could also combine it with a volume two, and you know, digitally. But um, I would I hope that you know somebody expresses interest and we see a, a volume two because I always you know even before like the wiki or internet you know widespread internet use like like we have now is the the first companion is always a great thing to like give somebody I used to have like a few extra copies and just hand it out and be like all right you have no excuse not to get into Savage Dragon read this it tells you everything you need to know jump into it. Yeah. But, you know, having something like Comixology is awesome where, like, you know, you can say it's online. You, know, you just yeah. download it. You know? Spend yeah, a buck. It depends because some of the – I don't know that Comixology is going to be like, yeah, everything for free. Let's make no money doing this stuff. Awesome. Right. That's true. They you get know, a cut. At a certain point, they're, they're going to put their foot down and go, wait a minute. We're yeah, not uh, that, I hear that about all this. Um, so, know, whatever. I'll do yeah. all kinds of cool stuff. Don't you worry. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, do you have any? Do you have any idea what the, the next backup's going to be for Savage Dragon? Um, I, I think I'm going to kind of flounder around for a little while before I, I hit on any other serials. Just because it's it's just been a couple long ones, and I think it would be it would be nice to just 
kind of back off a little bit and just go, okay, let's let's give the give this some breathing room, run some run some pinups or run something just because it's the, the book has been so full that we haven't had time to or space to really do much of anything else for a while. Right. Uh, it, it would kind of be nice to, to just be able to do some other little stuff if, if people want to do other little stuff and then take it from there. Uh, there's a couple different artists who've, either talked to me or, or approached me about doing some uh, different backups, but I've just been hip deep in so much other junk that it gets very difficult, guys. Yeah. <laughs> seems like, like you have a lot on your plate at any given moment. Yeah, it, it's true. There, there ends up being an awful lot of just stuff that I'm committed to or wanting to do. Um, you know, and, and and then people will be like, well, what about that that story that you did a we saw a splash page of of guys in a van. When the hell is that coming out? And this is there's <laughs> there's always stuff like that 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 it's like, man, I haven't got to this yet, and I haven't got to that yet, and it's tough to because at the same time, you know, Savage Dragon's supposed to be this this ongoing book and it's like man there's this isn't the only thing i want to do i want to do all this other stuff and then, and then there's other people calling call me up going hey you want to do this or that and it's like yeah, man it's <laughs> be able to do everything you want to do you know people right and, I, and all the time hey will you do a cover for my weird little alternate book or do a pinup for my thing hey i did a backup for you you want to do a pinup for me it's like, you know what, I, I can't actually do everything. We still want to see that treasury book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is exactly, uh, uh, there's there's bunches of stuff that need to be done for that. Um, this past year, though, you, you've really been all over the place. I mean, we haven't gotten as many Savage Dragon issues as we wanted, but, I mean, you did a little story for Mad Men. I mean, within... I think last November you had one of the next issue projects come out. You've done yeah. Supreme, you know, Savage yeah. Dragon. I don't know. There's, it's been a lot of little stuff here and there. And before that, I was doing stuff that was in Pop Gun and, and just the Herculean thing came out not that long ago. And it yeah. just, you know, a bunch of little things kind of come up. And I like that too. I like having my name in a, in a bunch of little projects, but. It's it's tough when you're, when you're one guy, and then you know, and then and there's always those people who are like, oh, I, I why don't you just concentrate on dragon? I don't I don't like it when you're doing a million different things because then your book doesn't come out as frequently, or it doesn't seem like you're paying as much attention to it, or I get the the illusion that you're not paying as much attention to it because you're doing other stuff, and it's it's hard to please everybody all the time and josh I do what i josh, josh eichhorn mentioned you were writing a script for something can you uh um you can divulge on that yeah that was that was a weird weird thing as i just had an idea for a um a romantic comedy and it was like it has nothing to do with comics 
Well, it, it kind of does, but it doesn't. Have, it's not any of my comic characters um, or anything. It, but there, there's always, there always ends up being some mention of comics in, in everything I do. But mm-hmm. it was just one of those things where I had a, had an idea that I was like, you know, this wouldn't make for a great comic book, but it'd make for a pretty cool movie. So what the hell, man? Let's let's you know. And I so I just started writing it. And, going through that, but it's like, that's, that's another whole bunch of stuff, you know, when you start, start doing that, it's like, there's another huge chunk of time out of your life. Yeah, yeah. So is that something you're really serious about? Like, you've gotten, like... Oh, I'm pretty hip deep into it. It's pretty far yeah. at this point. Yeah, so... That's cool. We'll, we'll see. I mean, you, you never know. You, you know, sometimes things like that work out, and sometimes it's, it doesn't. And then, and then people. The, then the question becomes: How come you're doing that? And you're not writing a uh, Savage Dragon treatment. It's like eh, I, I, I'm writing a Savage Dragon treatment every month. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, just don't really feel like I need to be doing that for, for a different format or whatever. I don't know. But technology, you know, on get- top of that. God, sorry. Didn't. I'm sorry. Uh, technology is getting there finally for Savage Dragon as as uh, a movie, though. I'm, I'm pleased to see that. You know, when I saw um, actually with the the John Carter was the movie where I'm sitting and watching it, going, you know, for the first time there are characters that are completely CGI that are on screen next to actual people, and for the first time it's convincing. And they really do look like they're as real as the real guy. And that's, that's the first time that's happened in my movie going experience. Every time I've gone and seen anything, be it avatar or, or whatever, Lord of the Rings, there's always this, well, here's the CG guy, CGI guy standing. <laughs> real guy. How weird is that? You know, but you're sitting there watching, watching that John Carter thing and going, this is seamless. This is, there's just, there's just no way that these guys look different from the real people that are just sitting there standing there next to them. It's amazing. Completely tanked, but <laughs> visually amazing. I don't think the marketing on the movie was properly done. Really? Yeah, I thought the name, the name I thought they, yeah, oh, you, you're agreeing. <laughs> Everybody just agreed to you. Everybody thought that, yeah. Yeah, no, it was was a major fumble all the way around. I mean, that people were were saying, oh, this is just a copy of Avatar. It's like, look, there's there's clue one that you didn't do this properly. You you didn't educate people with your marketing, you know, that they weren't. They weren't sitting there going, oh, this is a pre-existing property. Oh, is the creator of Tarzan. Oh, 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 I didn't even get this. Which is ridiculous. For all the money you spend on a movie like that, why you wouldn't properly, you know, push it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. funny. Well, my problem was the title is just boring. It at least should have been called John Carter of Mars or something. Yeah, I, I understand their, why they changed it, but it's it's – it, it ultimately did not help it any, um, because that they they have that movie uh, Mars Needs Moms that just completely tanked the previous year, and so they were just skittish about 
tossing the word Mars on anything. Wow, I didn't know that was no, the reason, but that's marketing. Mars attacks didn't do too well either. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Better hope when your movie comes out, some movie with the name with the word dragon in it didn't tank. Yeah, well there you go. We'll Girl with the dragon tattoo. There you go. Uh Savage Dragon of Mars. Oh, totally. <laughs> failed on every level. <laughs> so uh this is a little off the record. Eric, how are you doing for time? Uh my wife is telling me it's time for dinner. And um you know, I love my wife. <laughs> As you but, should. Uh, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's not like I haven't eaten dinner before. I um, do want to ask one, you know, if we're going to wrap this up, one question is, um, you know, as 2012 comes to an end, what were your favorite comics that came out in this past year? You know, Honestly, I didn't read a lot. It's been a really busy year for me, and uh, so it's like the image stuff. I, I've been reading Invincible. That's all good. I've been reading Walking Dead. That's all good. Um, in terms what do you think of the, about Glory? With I know we were talking about you know, strong oh, yeah, female characters. Really I like Glory a lot. I like Glory a whole lot. And, I thought uh, that last issue, issue 29, was pretty insane. Yeah, well... And the, the, the thing about being in the position that I'm in is that I get to see the next issue. So uh, 30 is on its way, guys. <laughs> it's, it's pretty damn cool. So, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's been it's been nice to see uh, Joe Keating come in on his own in, in that. Um, and the, the Hell Yeah book is is also it's it's growing. It's getting better with each issue. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't as taken with the art in that as I was in the art in Glory, but you know, the, I agree. the guy's stepping up and he's and he is getting better. So it's like, you know what? This this could work too. So I so. really like the the artist for Bloodstrike, and I'm kind of disappointed that he's going to be off the book. But I've never seen his work before. He kind of reminds me yeah. of that Corey Walker type. Yeah, it, it, it not everything works. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, as much as we might like it to, um, sometimes things just come out and people go, I don't, I don't really care. And, and I think, you know, part of the, uh, the relaunch of, of the uh, extreme books was I think that there was a, a little period here where people just weren't taken with um, Rob in general. They yeah. Did, he had either done or said something that kind of rubbed people the wrong way, and and they and they uh, let's let's face it, the retailers uh, by and large aren't on his side, even though I think a lot of uh, fans are, and um and, and I think they they kind of flex their muscle going into the launch of this stuff where they weren't supporting it uh, as as much as they should have. And I think a real evidence of that is uh, the comparison of sales to of Glory and Hell Yeah. But Hell Yeah is selling considerably better than Glory is. That's but amazing. Really? Glory's a better book. You know? <laughs> yeah. The two, I mean... All the extreme books. Story and whatever, it's like, that's a solid book. 
And yet, uh, you know, the, the retailers looking at it as, uh, we're going to support you on your own thing, but I don't know, these Rob Lifeboat things, those never last. So, and then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. That, yeah, that that's really shocking to me because almost universally every book that came out of the Extreme Relaunch was critically acclaimed. Yeah, and they're all critical darlings, and, and they all uh, sell six thousand copies or less. Yeah, and they don't they don't, they don't they're not setting the world on fire, which is you know a real shame because there's some good stuff in there. Well, and it's it, amazing, and Rob's really let these guys kind of run on their own, like, oh, and, and, and they're not real established guys. I mean, they have some stuff out there, but he's giving a lot of trust to these guys, and it's paying off, and it's just, you know, I wish it would sell more. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. You got to wonder if it didn't have the extreme branding, how many copies they would be selling. Oh, I, I think if 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 Glory was called something else and it was the exact same book, that it it probably would be doing uh, way better than it's doing now. And it's like, well, that's kind of a shame too. But yeah. I, I don't know what you can do about that. Right. There's a retailer near where I used to work uh, that is banned all of Rob's books. I don't know if they, they changed at all after the, you know, after, you know, the reviews started getting, coming in for profit and everything, but it seems like what can you do in a situation where here's a shop where it's like, uh, Rob, I'm not going to allow any Rob books in my shop, but it's like, he's not even on these books. And, yeah. And, well, and, and, it's, and it's the guys going, you know what? I've been burned one too many times by this guy. And it's like, well, he's not even he's not even doing the books, and right. and it's like, well, too bad because you you're kind of missing out on some some really kind of I think innovative books that are coming out of this this line. The guys are really trying some some different stuff on on a lot of them, and it's there's some cool stuff here. I was yeah. just totally shocked that Extreme was like my favorite comics of 2012. I was like, what the hell. Uh, same here. Yeah. yeah, what kind of world is this? It was, I don't know, yeah, it's a bizarro world, yeah. Cats and dogs living together. But I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now crazy. So is with with 2013 coming up, can you give us any kind of new bits of information on what we should expect from Savage Dragon? Like something we haven't heard yet? or I don't know what you haven't heard yet. What have you heard? I don't know. Something that's not been released <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> um, Overlord I, unmasked. Well, the thing is that really at, at this point, um, it's it's kind of in a building period again for the for the book because you know dragons dragons coming back into the title and then he, it's, he's going to be more involved in the book again and then he goes on trial and then. You know, following that, I, I really am trying to set up kind of the next ger generation of uh, superheroes, supervillains, and what have you. Um, Angel's going to be leaving the title here shortly. Um, oh, no. Cry. I am going to uh -oh. cry. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, can you, what can you say? She's... She, She's graduating from high school in the, the issue I am inking right this minute. And at, at that point, it's, 
there's really not that much kind of keeping her around Chicago at least. And so she's, she's kind of going to be going off on her own and kind of discovering what, what she wants to do. Not that we're not going to touch on her and, and, and make sure she's doing okay and and stuff like that. But it's not going to be, it's not going to be Power Man Iron Fist anymore. It's going to be, it's going to be back to being uh, just Power Man. And then, uh, you know, following that, then, then we head into the the next phase of the book, which is going to be more of what I call my uh, Batman Beyond phase, where Dragon sort of becomes a the the mentor type to Malcolm, sort of helping him really come into his own, uh, doing the, the the superhero stuff. And also, I really I really want to do some stories that center around the villains and I haven't done enough of that where we really delve into who, who are these guys and what do they do when they're not uh, doing what they do or what, what is it that, that, that they actually do period, you know, it's like, we know they're bad guys, but what does Dung physically do other than shoot poop? (laughs) This is actual, what is it? For lack of a better word, what is his actual duties? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was the cool thing about the Thunderhead character too. That you know, he's a newer, he's like a, a Malcolm villain, and we got a lot of backstory on him, yeah. and he, it, it made him a real interesting character. You just see him trying to hold down a job as a freak, and you know, having yeah. to go to a life of crime. Yeah, and and but we don't we don't really know like does does. Does Dung have any kids? We don't know. We don't know anything really about his life at all. We know how does Dung eat? Does how does he how does he function in any way? (laughs) How does he open doors without hands? Any number of things. I mean, is it all just kicking doors down for that guy? I mean, (laughs) he only goes to Seven Elevens with the doors open automatically. Oh, thank heaven. Like constipation is super disappointing for him. <laughs> there's like uh, there's a, a lot of things, a lot of unanswered questions with a lot of the villains, and I would also like just to be able to go, oh, and here are the the sons of these characters or the daughters of these characters, some of which have been hinted at, and and some of which have not been. You know, we had. That thing with, with Inferno talking about how he's got uh, a, a daughter and she needs dental work, you know that sort of thing. But we don't, we've never seen the daughter. We don't know what the daughter actually does. We don't know really anything about her, and we don't mm-hmm. know a lot of, of anything about a lot of the characters. You know, it's like, well, okay, well, if if you've got a daughter, then presumably you've got either a wife or girlfriend. What's okay? How's that work? What's what's that all about? Where do you live? What's your house like? What's your, <laughs> your you know? What's your yeah. whole existence like? You know, do yeah. you you're sitting there sweating your your house payments and and condo or or are you do you all live in a big mansion together or what the hell, man? And you touched on that a little bit in the beginning of the series with like the Rock Gang, you know, living in. Pipeland or whatever what was called 
uh, yeah. Pike Town. And they yeah. were kind of just a bunch of freaks, you know, shunned by society. And it seems that has the books gone on and Savage Dragon's more integrated with society, that freaks are more openly accepted. So it's it's an interesting thing to see in the book. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, there's still... You know, people go, oh, you've done so much in the book with with so many characters. I was talking to uh, a, a number of guys at, at the New York convention, just, you know, me going, okay, well, what do you want to have happen in issue one, uh, 200? And, you know, a lot of the discussion is you've done every event through the course of the book already. You've had the character die. You've had, you know... Uh, new costumes all over the place. You've had him fight doppelgangers. You've had him fight his ultimate villains. You've, you've had him fight collections of his villains. You've had him, you know, essentially it's like all these different things that are normally events in all these other books, you've already done them Yeah. over the course of your regular series. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you should do for issue 200. And and that's that does become a discussion. It's like, okay, what do you think? It's it's coming up. Shouldn't shouldn't I be building to something? Um, <laughs> you know, but I also don't want to start doing another big sweeping event because it, those get old too. We yeah. just kind of, can we just have this be small for a while? Can he just? He doesn't have to fight Galactus every damn time. Can we just- well, I I think we all agreed here, too. We were talking before you came on about issue 182, how we all really, really liked this issue. And it kind of harkens back to the day when it was, you know, just centered around Chicago and you had four or five subplots going on. And this issue just really clicked with a lot of, you know, Dragon fans <laughs> I've talked to. You know, what's interesting is that... Um, this was a, this was an issue that I really struggled with initially, and um, because uh, you know I was sitting there and I had even started it, and I had, had different sequences going on, and and eventually it just it just came down to you know what screw all that other stuff, let me just start with a, a an opening action sequence and pay off this other thing that had been set up some time ago rather than have it start off because I initially I think I was going to start with angel graduating or, or angels birthday or, or some such. And it was just like, come on, let's, let's just see something unexpected, see something we haven't seen in the book before and, or in a while or, or whatever, just have there be a surprise. And I think, receptive to opening up the book and going, I was not expecting these characters to be in this book at all. What the hell? That's, that's cool. You know, I think readers like to be surprised with, with stuff like that. Well, you know what, what surprised me specifically about 182, uh, the, the, the opening events was, uh, when you had first brought up the whole Project Born Again stuff with Thunderhead and his dad, we all kind of assumed it was going to be a story arc, and you've basically resolved it, you know, suddenly and in, in a surprising twist. <laughs> yeah. There you go, kids. The end. 
But it also served to kind of advance the Thunderhead character. You know, it didn't have to be a big event. But, you know, now, you know, Dragon's kind of, and Malcolm's kind of stopped his stopped him from having his father get resurrected. But at the same time, he's learned that he's his, you know, genetic brother in a way, genetic half brother. But yeah. it, there's a lot going on there. It's it's, uh, you know, now Thunderhead is, you know, he's a pretty important character to the book. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll we'll see where that goes. It was yeah. extremely rewarding. Yeah. I mean, the surprise <laughs> of seeing Thunderhead and that plot line just wrap up in a couple of pages. I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> give like, me well, more. <laughs> well, more more is on its way. So <laughs> there's that. Um, and, and and at this point, I do need to I need do need to pull out of here, or I I'm gonna be hung up to dry. I have one last sure. question. Yes or no? All right. Will we know who Overlord is for sure next issue? Yes. Awesome. Is it you? Is it Eric <laughs> Larson the whole time? Yeah, you know, there's there. I I can't say. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, well, thank right. you very much, All right. Eric. All right. Talk Appreciate to you, later, you being with us. See you. Awesome. All right, bye. Bye. I knew it was Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bald guy with the big brow. What did I say? That's it. <laughs> you called it. <laughs> Another awesome Eric Larson interview, if I do say so. Yeah, it's always great to have him on. Yeah, it's just so good. And he's always like, I don't know, funny. <laughs> really kind of like you don't know what the hell he's going to say. Yeah, yeah. Definitely it was a good choice for our one-year uh, episode. Yep. Um, and speaking of which, uh, before we go, uh, we should probably uh, thank a few people who have really helped us out over the last year getting things set up. Uh, number one, of course, I want to thank uh, my good internet friend, uh, Eric uh, Seanborn, who... Uh, I probably butchered the name of, so what kind of friend am I? He uh, he helped me out in the early days to get web hosting, to actually put the uh, FinCast website up and get the podcast up. So really, without his help, this never would have happened. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd known him online for several years. He's a, he's, a, he's an artist, and um, he's a very creative artist, in my opinion, and I've, I've been following him pretty closely these last few years. But yeah, he really, really lend, helped me out by lending a hand teaching me the ins and outs of uh, uh, things like bit rates and how to work with um, um, uh, WordPress, all that good technical stuff that I like to pretend I understand. Yeah, and he runs his own podcast, right? Oh, uh, my. Gutter Trash. Uh, I've, I've listened to a bunch of episodes, and it's pretty entertain- entertaining. Yeah, Gutter Trash is cool because they go back and forth between reviewing movies and reviewing graphic novels. Yeah, I think he does it's, another one called League Night, which I think they watch Justice League cartoons like and analyze them. It's pretty funny. It's just him and another guy, and it's just like you're, you feel like you're just like listening in, like spying in on someone's on you know two friends' conversation, which is pretty cool. And uh, they've got like over 200 episodes, so you can go back and like <laughs> pick and choose. You know, if you, there's some movie that you were thinking about watching, you can kind of listen to there rants about it um and they're at guttertrash.net which is you know they also host our site yeah 
Um, we should also thank uh, all the uh, various hosts we've had over the course of the, the podcast, who some of them haven't haven't been able to be with us the entire time. Of course, Gavin, who uh, we talked about earlier. It's Gavin Higginbotham, yep. Uh, and uh, Ad- Nick. Adam Pruitt. Who uh, <laughs> we did just hear. But uh, yeah, Adam, unfortunately, hasn't been able to um, be with us as regularly regularly as we uh as he had been, but uh, whenever he's a busy he, man, he is a busy man. He's got uh, things are happening in for him right now, which is really cool. Same with Nick Justice, busy, busy man, but great stuff with him too. Yep, Nick Justice, of course, was our host on our number zero episode that kicked off the whole thing. I kind of want to have him back on at some point, but uh, haven't really heard from him lately. Uh, so if you're out there, buddy, you drop us a line. Yep. Yep. And uh, also thanks to uh, Image Addiction, uh, the imageaddiction.net, which is uh, hosts a family of podcasts and generously allowed us to mix it up with them. So you can get your, uh, you can also get episodes of the FinCast at imageaddiction.net, and they're kind of like everything Image Comics. They have their own uh, podcast. It's just all Image Comics. They have uh, the Process Podcast, which talks to uh different writers and artists uh i think mostly it's writers uh for our image comic series um i think it's kind of like a podcast that helps other writers um learn you know how to deal with comics and and the ups and downs of the business um and then they also have a weekly roundup which every week uh i think it's chris parton himself kind of uh talks about the image books coming up um, I think the guy, uh, the guys from Evangeline had a website. I don't, I had a podcast. I don't know if that's still on there, but, um, I know there's a new one now out called, uh, talking about our issues, which is a podcast, uh, <laughs> by a good Mark. Name. Yeah. Uh, I forget the name of the guy that that's running that podcast, but I think every, ep- every issue in every episode, they're going to try to talk to like a creator on that too so there's a lot of cool podcasts over there i probably butchered the information about half of what i talked about but i enjoy going there i enjoy listening to their podcasts i'm happy that they've uh included us in their family and uh it's definitely worth your time to check it out if you like image books yeah and i want to make a very uh, special personal thanks to the legion of substitute podcasters who, uh, without listening to their show, I never would have believed that you could do a podcast about one long-running book. And uh, it was basically, this show was directly inspired by their show. And so I'll plug them quick. They're found at uh, paulfrench.ca slash L-O-S-P slash, which is kind of a clunky uh, web address. But it'll be on the page. I'll put it up. But yeah, those guys... uh, they inspired me, and uh, I really, without without that inspiration, I probably wouldn't even bother sending out the pers- the emails to put some people together and get this done. So I gotta cool. plug them. Well, and thanks to you, Jim, for putting this together. You've had yes, a blast sir. over the past year. It's been fun. It's definitely, I will always say it, definitely enhanced my Savage Dragon experience. Cool. I'm, it really, it's just like it's cool to read the issue. There are not a lot of Savage Dragon fans in my life, so it's cool to just have 
I mean, even before I was on the show, it's just cool to hear like Savage Dragon fans talking about it. So, yes, very appreciated. Thank you for your hard work. Yeah, I agree. Try try to make the show something that you know we'd like to hear as Dragon fans, and I think we've uh, we've done it pretty well so far. So, um, cool. Cool. Should we talk okay. about uh, the next uh, next episode? Next episode. Let's do it. We're uh, actually not entirely certain what we're going to have next episode, but I think one of two things is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first, what uh, Savage Dragon 183. We got the solicitation. I got the solicitation copy sitting in front of me, and that says it's the special 20th anniversary issue. It's the final showdown between Overlord and Savage Dragon. This is the big one. It's all been leading up to this. Secrets revealed, blood spilled, butts kicked. Comes with the highest possible recommendation. And uh, I know the cover, the final cover hasn't been revealed, but the solicitation image shows kind of like a fight bill with uh, the headshots of Dragon and Overlord. States Battle of the Century. uh, Dragon versus Overlord, fist to fist for the final time. Um, and that issue also has that uh, Chris G variant cover. Chris G is the artist of G-Man. Uh, he's got that kind of kid-friendly, cartoony look. Um, that he's going to have a variant cover. It's his version of uh, number one from the Savage Dragon miniseries. Right. But uh, to get just on this issue, it should be an interesting issue, and I think we'll have a lot to talk about if this is uh, what's going to be on the next episode because uh, apparently – from our interview with Eric, he said this is the issue that we'll definitely know who Overlord is. And um, it says Overlord versus Savage Dragon, so I take that as, you know, Savage Dragon comes back to Earth in this this issue as well. So I think there'll be, a, you know, a whole heck of a lot to talk about with this one. It'll be exciting. Very much looking forward to that one. <laughs> also, the, uh, also a possibility, we've got, uh, what, Supreme 67? Yeah, may or may not be out by 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 that time. I guess you know uh, we kind of learned a little bit that uh, that that one might have some uh, difficulties getting here. But I've seen some preview art. Son of Chrome appeared on Facebook from Corey. I'm excited. I think things are going to be positive. So, and I couldn't be more excited for this issue. This issue is the on the tip of everyone's tongue when the book got announced. So this truly is the fight everyone's been wanting. Supreme. 67 solicitation is supreme madness from the pages of invincible <laughs> comes the most requested supreme opponent of all time enter omni man and supreme is out of control you know this is mean supreme suprema is at death's door ethan crane is in a bad way can even omni man hope to save the day so we will see and the cover uh, shows supreme facing off Against Omni Man for the Superhero Championship of the World, which uh, <laughs> it's an homage to Supreme Superman and Shazam. Is that right? Yeah, I forget yes. which issue we talked about it in one of the prior podcasts, but uh, I can't remember awesome, the exact issue that that homages. It's gonna be an awesome slugfest. That's really all you need to know. Yeah, dude. Can you just record yourself reading solicitations for me so I can just listen to it like <laughs> on my commute to work? That's pretty Invin- awe-inspiring. I'd probably buy like every book that you uh, read in <laughs> solicitation to. I was I was trying to channel that Dragon Ball announcer, you know. <laughs> Will Goku. 
get out of the pit or whatever you know (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we don't know what's gonna come out but you know you can be sure that we'll be there for a new uh episode and if nothing comes out maybe we'll just find someone to interview just some bum off the street whoever we can (laughs) uh, you know round up give a ham sandwich maybe (laughs) (laughs) you'd be like i like a sandwich dragon (laughs) <laughs> so yeah um sandwich dragon the savage fincast is a part of the gutter trash network and the image addiction family of podcasts it can be found at either fincast.guttertrash.net or imageaddiction.net <laughs>